Hey everyone. How many times have your friends recommended a vitamin or a treatment or some natural health awesomeness that changed their life? Probably a lot. Blue Hive Health was designed to take that friendship to the next level. On this podcast, Giovanna and Stephanie will spend time debunking myths and introducing you to the latest in health and wellness treatments, all to support you and your family. Welcome to the Blue Hive Healthcast. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Blue Hive Healthcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Giovanna, and I'm here today speaking to someone pretty darn miraculous. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard someone say, I used to be quadriplegic? I bet you not that often. In fact, I've never heard someone say, I used to be quadriplegic. And yet our guest today, Alison Lighthizer, definitely is one of these people. When she was 16 years old, she was stopped dead in her tracks, literally. She was having seizures, fatigue, organ damage, and paralysis, and all from an unknown virus that nobody could figure out. It went from her neck down, and it eventually put her into a wheelchair. Unwilling to accept her seat on the sidelines, having been a former athlete, she wanted to participate in life more, and she decided she was going to do everything that it took. Years later, she's now an alternative healthcare practitioner. She is out of her wheelchair, and now she's helping other people suffering from chronic illness heal from the inside out. I'm so excited to welcome Allison Lighthizer to the show today. Let's dive in. Allison, welcome to the Blue Hive HealthCast. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks. I am absolutely delighted to be here. I, I love listening to your podcast. It has such amazing wealth of information that you're sharing with your audience tonight. I love, oh, I love hearing thank you. what you guys talk about. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's always great when you have a guest that's also been a fan of the show because, I mean, that's always nice. So thank you. Um, we're excited because obviously we know our audience and we know all the goodness that you bring. And I think um, your story and the work you do and what you have to share is going to be just so awesome. So let's just dive right in and let's start off with your story and how it is that you came to do the work that you do. Yeah, I, I had quite the introduction to that. So uh, I, I was really athletic when I was younger and I was I wanted to go to the Olympics for gymnastics. I was like, that was my dream. And um, so I, was, I had quite a few injuries and um, in, in my neck and back. And then I kind of started having some illnesses. Um, I had mono a couple of times and um, just my my immune system seemed to get weaker and weaker until I eventually had to quit gymnastics. Um, and <clears throat> when I was 16, when, when I was in high school, I got a virus that just blew past all of my defenses and kind of went into a weak area, which was my neck. And um, I got a virus in my spinal cord and that, that took about a month, but I was falling a lot and I had horrible head pressure and dizziness. And I, I started falling a lot. Then I couldn't really walk on my own. Then I couldn't sit on my own. And then I, I became fully paralyzed, fully paralyzed from the neck down. So I was oh quadriplegic. Yeah. And the virus just kept nibbling away. <laughs> it, it, it ate away my, my nervous system, basically. It ate away the, the covering around the nerves called the myelin sheath. And then I, I wasn't having 
organ failure, but I was like right at that threshold for my liver and my kidneys. So I was having a tremendous amount of pain and also all these seizure-like activities. Um, so I couldn't move on my own. <laughs> I was moving a lot involuntarily. And um, I was, you know, 16, I was an athlete. How I dealt with emotions and <laughs> stress was to move. And all of a sudden I could not brush my teeth. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I um, could barely tolerate a whisper or like and I was very Allison, sensitive. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You said the virus. Does this, you mean the monovirus, like the Epstein-Barr virus? No, um, it wasn't Epstein-Barr and it wasn't meningitis. It, uh, they didn't know what it was. Interesting. It was unclassified, yeah. And in, in retrospect, my guess is that it was some sort of severe neurologic Lyme um, cesspool of of yeah that my body just was fighting all at the same time it sounds like that yeah wow that's that's extraordinary okay I'm sorry to interrupt you please continue I just my nerdy geeky side was like wait which virus was it what is it you know what's going on here (laughs) yeah they they couldn't figure it out and they did so many different testing and uh they the hospital actually you know did their best but they mismanaged me quite a bit and um I wasn't like fully, fully quadriplegic until after being in the hospital for a while. Cause I think my nervous system was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I can't take any more pokes or prods or tests or um, people slamming the door. <laughs> so um, then during that time we were waiting for, we had gone to one hospital and then we were waiting to get into, I grew up in California. So we we're waiting to get into the, the Stanford hospital. And during that time, we started doing alternative therapies with a, a nurse practitioner. And so I was doing like really high dose vitamin C and taking handfuls of supplements and, um, you know, she was treating me for a lot of different things. And then are you familiar with raindrop therapy? I am actually. Yeah. I have yeah. a friend of mine that is, that's done that on me a couple of times and is a practitioner. Yeah. So it is uh, a, a way to apply essential oils, a particular um, order and particular type of essential oils on the feet and spine. And in, because of the virus in my spine, she, she did that on my back and I was like on fire. <laughs> I, I actually wow. had blisters up and down my spine, um, from, from doing the, the raindrop technique with the, with the essential oils, because those are so powerful, you know, so as, as you probably know, like oregano essential oil is four times stronger than penicillin, for example. And so they're really, that plant medicine is really strong and it was calling out the, the virus. So, you know, we just tried a lot of things to help me heal. And then when I went, when I got into the Stanford hospital to redo all the tests, they said, okay, well, uh, we think that the virus is gone. It's just the damage that remains. So they sent me to a rehab hospital. Um, I was inpatient doing like intense PT, physical therapy and occupational therapy. And I did, um, my mom was my main caretaker. And uh, the the only spot that they had that was in our insurance was kind of far away. And so my mom basically like collapsed once, once I went into the, hospital because she had been caring for me so much and it had mm. taken quite a toll on her. And um, so I really wanted to walk for her on her birthday. So whenever she'd come to visit me, I wouldn't let her help me at all or like 
if I had to go, go to the bathroom, I would just hold it <laughs> until she left because um, I knew even if I pretended that I wasn't getting better, like she would be able to tell my muscle tone was changing. And um, so that was really fun because I, I was able to take my first steps on her birthday. We had a family picnic there and uh, it was very oh, made for so TV great. moment. <laughs> yeah, they um, they wheeled me out and you know, I took like a few steps and then fell like into her arms. Um, so that was really, that was really amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a journey. And so I guess, how did you cope with all of this and take us to, you know, where that ended up leading you in present day and how you, how you serve people? Yeah. So the, the rehab was great. Um, but it just was pushing my body. It didn't actually, um, fix or address any of the underlying issues that were happening. So I ended up going backwards. And then about 11 months after, um, we found something called integrative manual therapy. And that is a type of manual therapy that combines a lot of different things. They have their, a lot of their own creation, but it also is, uh, like a bouquet of a lot of different alternative therapies, like osteopathic techniques, craniosacral, lymphatic drainage, um, acupressure points, acupuncture meridian work. So it's, it's, um, it's very, very holistic, very, um, whole body. And so I started working with them and they said that they could help me, which was the first time someone had said that in 11 months. So, um, we did start doing that. And I, you know, I, it, the clinic, the main clinic was in Connecticut and I was in California. So if you can imagine the challenge of flying a quadriplegic who is really sensitive to sound and light across the country, <laughs> that was, you know, challenging. Oh, and yeah. I, I couldn't be in a regular wheelchair because I couldn't sit up by myself. I had a reclining, reclining wheelchair. Uh, so I could kind of lay down while I was sitting. So the, uh, the clinic we started working with, uh, the integrative manual therapy clinic, I actually progressed really quickly. I was functionally much better in about five months. I was walking even without a cane. So the fatigue and the nervous system damage and the, um, the organ damage took longer, but I was functionally able to like go to the bathroom by myself and brush my own teeth um, pretty quickly. So that was so exciting. It was such a cool time to see my body changing and having the support to be able to make those changes and heal on a deep level. So that was wonderful. And I just was like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to bring hope to other people. You know, like I was basically dying. They didn't really know what to do with me. And well, um, not many people come out of a quadriplegic state, right? Like, yes, that's like the end game, right? It's like, that's, it's not many people can come out of that. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I haven't heard, I used to be quadriplegic very often, but so I'm very, very happy to be able to say that, but the, uh, the clinic and the the therapists were so wonderful. And I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this. So that's how I got on my journey towards wanting to know more and more and more and more about the body and to get better myself and help my patients and help my family and friends. So that, that really sparked my enthusiasm and drive and um, endurance and taking all the classes and certifications and all the exciting things that you know the, the body is endless and all the things we can learn about it so it's a uh, it's been a fun fun time <laughs> how do you connect or do you maybe connect like your 
your mindset and sort of your belief system along this journey to either how rapidly you you kind of came back or just how you progressed in general? Yeah, I, I, I you asked me that and I didn't really say, but I, I was super depressed and had, I was totally overwhelmed. I didn't have any map for what to do with the, the circumstance. You know, I had never read a book about this or um, experienced that before. So I really, at, at one point I was suicidal, you know, like if I could have crawled to the bathroom to get a razor, I probably would have. Um, I really didn't want to live like that. And I was in um, significant amounts of pain and uh, what's really having a hard time managing that. So the um, the depression was quite severe and my my apathy and just uh, unwillingness to live in that state was pretty strong, especially in the initial part. Um, once I did start to get a little better, I, you know, I, I was like I said, I was an athlete, so I, I did a lot of visualization. And I say that not out of like, ooh, look at me, I'm so awesome, but it, was, it wasn't out of like, okay, I'm gonna just tell my body, like, it's okay to move and, you know, get those neural networks going. It was actually like a way to disassociate from the pain. So I would just imagine like playing ultimate Frisbee with my brother or, you know, I would just go through these reality, alternate realities, I guess, mm -hmm. um, because I couldn't tolerate really like watching TV or doing stuff. So I was literally staring at the ceiling for, for months. So I think that really helped whether or not I meant to do it or not, but visualizing my, my body and visualizing moving and visualizing being somewhere else was probably really helpful. Um, once I did start to get better and have hope, I was super motivated and did everything that they told me and was, you know, perfect in the sense that I was like, always doing my homework. I, if they asked me to do a journal thing, I would do a journal thing. You know, I would, I was doing everything and my, my parents and my whole family were really supportive. So I, um, I think my mindset was, this is how I'm going to get better and I am going to get better. And it might take a little longer than I expected, but I, I guess I, I just felt like I was, and I, I, I just felt like I knew that I, 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 really believe in God and I pray a lot. That was the best way that I knew how to handle the situation. And then I also really dived deep into music. It was like that time where you could order 10 CDs for two cents or something like that. So I did that. <laughs> I and, remember uh, those days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I was listening to music a lot and that was a helpful way to I couldn't really self-sponsor a lot of positivity. So listening to music was helpful for me. And, um, you know, on the outside looking in, I was trying to stay really positive and I, I was trying to be strong for my family and, um, externally, but I would cry myself to sleep every night. You know, I was, I was putting on a good show, but I didn't really have both feet in, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, there's yeah. got to be some outlet, right? You can't like this. I think this is where people confuse, you know, having a positive attitude um, with just being perpetually happy all the time and fake, right? Like there yeah. has to be a balance. And I mean, the only other person that I've heard of that has been in a state of like, you know, complete 
spinal injury and told they're never going to walk again and came out of it was Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. So Dr. Joe, he's pretty famous in, you know, the, the spiritual circles, but he, he did what you did. He, he said, he sat, lied down in bed really, and just kept visualizing, you know, he was already a chiropractor. So he was visualizing his spine fusing back together and he was visualizing himself walking and running. And I think he had, I think at the time he was a cyclist or he did marathons or something like that. I know you used it as, um, you know, a way to escape, right? Like you said, I needed to do these visualizations because, you know, I couldn't really deal (laughs) with what was going on. And yet we know now that your brain can alter your physiology. So I wonder if you would uh, talk a little bit more about that and, you know, your subsequent experiences. Yeah, I I love talking about the brain. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, The brain is has such a powerful way to manage everything, right? It's, it's on the top, top dog kind of thing. So the way that our brain interprets whether or not we're safe or whether or not we are, you know, on a beach somewhere having a margarita, that is, that is how our whole cascade of symptoms will, will happen. And, um, the brain has two, the nervous system has two different modes, right? The the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The sympathetic is fight, fight, or freeze. And the parasympathetic is rest, digest, and heal. And so when we are talking about the brain and talking about the nervous system, we in our society are often so stressed and running around like chickens with our heads cut off. And we are in that sympathetic, that, that fight, fight, or freeze so frequently. And then once we have enough breakdown and we're like, okay, we really need to heal. <clears throat> a lot of times the, the imbalance is so ingrained in the nervous system that it's really hard to get into parasympathetic. You know, I'm sure with your patients, you see a lot of that and the, the subsequent um, depression, anxiety, hormone imbalance. Actually, the, um, one of the episodes I love is number nine, when you, were, you guys were talking about hormones and weight gain and mm-hmm. she was talking about- oh, Karen. Um, yeah yeah insulin and cortisol being triggered and how it's just like not normal to have that amount of those amount of stress hormones washing over our cells all the time and um the the effect that that has on our hormones and how that changes the estrogens and anyway i love that one <laughs> so if you haven't heard that one Me go too. back and listen you guys <laughs> that's actually our most listened to episode that one there Is it? um oh, nice. yeah And I'm glad you brought that up because I think people still, even though we know so much more about the stress response on the body, I think people are still, especially if you're like a type A high achieving person, I think we're still kind of like, yeah, stress, stress, right? Like it's like, we still sort of, it's it's kind of a throwaway word. Like, yeah, I've been really stressed lately or yeah, I'm super stressed. And, you know, for some people it's a badge of honor. It's like, yeah, I'm really busy. I'm running around, but exactly to the point that you just said, we don't actually realize what that does biochemically, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the digestive issues that we have and the depression that we have and the immune challenges that we have can all kind of be traced back, in my opinion, to how our body is interpreting threat and how our our brain is delegating like, okay, well, we should do this and this. Um, so I love p- teaching people ways to quickly change their nervous system from the sympathetic, the fight, flight, or freeze to the parasympathetic, the rest, digest, and heal. And even if you, um, so like, um, if, if we wanted to try it, we could do it right now, but like one, something that works for me might not work for you or might not work for, take us through something. 
Susan, you know, so um, I love to use posture and range of motion to just measure if, if this is a good drill for you or not, because it could work great for one person and not for another person. And that's because everyone's all different. Everyone's nervous system is totally and beautifully unique. Hmm, I'll be so your guinea you, pig, Allison. Go for okay, it. Okay, perfect. Do you have um, <laughs> some water or something? Uh, no, you know what? Usually I do have water next to me, but I don't. Okay. Well, if, um, if you, okay, we'll do, we'll do a different one. Do you usually, want me to grab some? We can, we can that's okay. this part out. Usually I do gargling <laughs> and that helps to stimulate your vagus nerve. <clears throat> and uh-huh. that nerve yes. is really, really impacts the way that our bodies can get into parasympathetic, parasympathetic, that rest, digest, and heal. So we don't have to do gargling, but if you guys wanted to try gargling at home, definitely do that. Yes. We'll do something. Please try, please try it at home and not in your car while you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's okay. I don't think the audience wants to hear me gargling on the podcast, but gargling is <laughs> a good one. I have heard of that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's a quick, a quick way to do it. Um, let's do, let's do a breathing one. So sometimes that's a back door into the nervous system and it can, okay. through our breath, we can really tell our brain like, Hey, there's not a tiger chasing us. We're actually okay. So if you just put your hands on your ribs, on your lower ribs and you begin to breathe, well, sorry, wait, let me hold on. I got, I got distracted by the gargling. I want you to do a range of motion. So just sit up really tall and just maybe like turn your neck from side to side, maybe lift your arm up and just see how your shoulder feels. Um, sometimes people have like a, particular area that feels a little stiff. We don't want to use something that's painful, but just, just kind of getting a, uh, a baseline for what is happening in our body right now. Surprisingly, my neck is normally not good, but my range of motion seems pretty good. Hey, right on. (laughs) It's a good day today. Yeah, but my my left shoulder is a bit stiff because I I have an old yoga injury there. So, okay. So put your hands on your lower ribs. And you can do this with like a TheraBand if you if you have it at home or if you want to try it later. So you're going to just press a little bit on your ribs and you're going to breathe against that resistance. So we're asking our ribs to engage and spread as we're breathing. And I want you to change your hand position. So if you're holding side to side, just kind of feel those guys moving and then go front to back and feel the backs of your ribs moving and separating. And if there's uh, an area that you feel like is stuck or not moving, you could like tap on it just to get your brain's attention to come there, breathe into that area. So you're just going to take a few more breaths like that. And normally when we're breathing and when we have, we take uh, 20 to 25,000 breaths a day. So if we can get our functional breathing patterns to be even slightly better, that's really going to give us a lot of bang for our buck. And the brain needs two things. It it needs glucose and it needs oxygen. So breathing is a nice way to just make your brain feel like, okay, I got two pennies to rub together. We can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're done doing your breathing, did you find a spot that was kind of tight or restricted? A little bit when I put my hands to the back, sort of my yeah. left rib cage, and I kind of, yeah, I tapped a little bit and it was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then I brought my awareness to it. So then it opened up. Yeah, perfect. It, it's a pretty amazing how it changes quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, we're often breathing quite shallowly and, you know, mo- mostly like up into in our 
upper ribs and neck. Most people are breathing there or doing belly breathing. So we're not usually using our full capacity in our rib cage. So go ahead and redo those ranges of motion and okay. see if anything feels the same, different, worse, better. It could, it could be anything. <laughs> Sometimes the range of motion can be the same, but it can feel a little easier or can feel a little more open. Okay. This is totally freaky, but like my left stiff shoulder is not as, is not at, like, it's not stiff at all. I was going to say it's not as stiff. It's not stiff at all. And when I, like, even though my neck was good and I had full range of motion, I can actually look a little further behind me on the left side. I love it. Is so that cool. And what's cool about that is it was my left kind of rib cage that was a bit stuck and then that opened yeah. up and now look at that. Look that's at that. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I love to teach people just like quick ways. That doesn't take too long. Once you know how to do it, you could do that anytime, you know, and get yeah. a little, little bit more. So when, when our brain feels threatened, that, that influences our range of motion. So if we were going to walk out on uh, a frozen pond, for example, we would have our movement would be quite different. We'd be walking more stiffly because our brain is interpreting that as an unstable, un unknown surface that is potentially dangerous. Versus if you are walking from your bed to your bathroom, like that's a different pathway that your brain is like, oh, I know this. I have totally different range of motion there than in a new slippery place. So why we do the range of motion is when when you're trying to see, is this good for my nervous system? Does it like it? Then you can monitor like, okay, that's a great one. I'm going to do that one again. And you can't really monitor what you don't measure. So I love to do, do that and teach people how to do that with their own bodies. So, cause we live in the real world. <laughs> we don't live in a vacuum and we are going to get stressed and that ability to bring us back to center is going to have a huge impact on our health, on our hormones, on our weight, on our mental health, on our ability to connect with ourselves and other people and our relationships. It's just, um, it's kind of mind blowing the, the cascade of effects that being centered in your nervous system, being in that heart coherence, that sympathetic parasympathetic balance can have on us. So I, I think it's a really powerful way to approach healing. What's also cool is that I just, I noticed this afterwards. Um, so I like every year around this time of year, when we go to like, you know, drier, like hot summer weather to more like damp cold, I get chest congestion and mm. sometimes it turns into a cold and sometimes it doesn't, but it's just been kind of lingering for the last few days. And I actually notice that it's not like a hundred percent gone, but I don't feel the heaviness on my chest. Like I could breathe better. So mm. that's also interesting because yeah. again, it was the left kind of lobe or the left, you know, under the rib cage. Yeah. Um, so that is super cool. So, okay. So now I know there's people listening to this right now going, come on, girl, you were a quadriplegic. Don't tell me all you did was breathe and you oh, walked no. out of that chair. <laughs> so, oh no. Let's get into the weeds. <laughs> okay. Cause I know people are listening that have like, you know, maybe they're not quadriplegic, right. But they have chronic, chronic illness, even chronic fatigue syndrome or, you know, intense fibromyalgia or like things of that nature. Right. And they're probably like, it almost seems too simple, but obviously we know that sometimes the most effective things are staring us right in the face, but I know there's people listening going, come on, there's gotta be more. So give us more. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. No, they make no mistake. I, it took me 20 years to get to heal and lots of different well, we modalities. already aged ourselves by telling people we know about the two penny cd like, yeah. now they know no how problem. we are 
<laughs> no problem. I, I have no qualms about, about that. The, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, that was my primary objective was to get better. And I, I worked and have worked so hard on, on my body and getting better. And I, I really prioritize that above all else. And, um, I, I mean, I got so much better that I even competed on, um, American Ninja Warrior, that obstacle course TV show. Um, so I, I really did go back to high functioning, but healing is never a straight line. It wasn't like abracadabra. Okay. You're walking again. You know, it was, it was, please don't misunderstand. (laughs) There's a lot of sweat and blood and tears. Um, the integrative manual therapy has a lot of like lay people work that you can do by connecting your organs with your hands. It's called neurofascial processing. And that helps to heal and also process mental, emotional, spiritual, physical um, patterns in the organs. So I did a ton of that. I still do that probably every every day, you know, because our organs are always working hard for us. So I just like to give a little back. And um, I have never heard of this therapy. Say it. Tell me the name again. Yeah, it's called Integrative Manual Therapy. That is so cool. Okay, so you're yeah. able to, with this therapy, also process like blocked emotional stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah. very interesting. In fact, you know, I had somebody just the other day who was having all these symptoms and I was like, oh, yeah, I can see this is old. You know, it's it's we sometimes have stuff that's not new. Like we think it's new, but it's really like our two-year-old is letting go of some of the stuff or it's like her turn to get some, some airtime and to, um, those cells to like air out whatever they were holding. So it can go pretty deep. Yeah. So cool. Okay. So talk us, let's go back to the brain and sort of how the brain and the nervous system really uh, communicate together, but also how we can unlock our health by working with your nervous system. Yeah. Well, that, that term heart coherence, that's when your nervous system is balanced. And for example, like from a hormonal perspective, DHEA is like that stem cell of a hormone, it, you know, it can become anything. It has big dreams. It, it has the American dream. It can be, it can be anything that we need it to be. And um, the production of that is way more, like exponentially more than when when we're in that sympathetic parasympathetic balance. When we're in that heart coherence, than when we're stuck on either side of that. So the the balance is really key. And the way that we can heal, the way we can digest our food absorb the nutrients that we're taking in, um, the way that we can detox. I always talk about this as uh, my number one tip for detoxing. If you are going to do some sort of detox activity, whether that's a, a detox bath or a sauna or something else, and you're stressed, your body's going to be all tight. Like your, your, your nervous system is not going to feel like, Oh yeah, let's, let's totally let this all go. Like if you were, um, an, if you were throwing a party and everyone's coming over in two minutes and someone was like, Hey, let's clean out your front hall closet. I'd be like, no way. You're crazy. I don't want to there. Have you been in there? <laughs> There's like a lot of <laughs> shoes and scarves and stuff that I don't want to No, Like if you're stressed and you got a project that you're working on, um, you can't clean out 
you know, you don't want to unearth more stuff. So if you're trying to detox and you're stuck in that sympathetic place, um, you're not going to be very successful. So I love to do something that helps my nervous system to be more balanced and centered uh, before I do any of those activities to, to get the most out of it and to be really um, supportive of my body and be like, okay, now we're going to do this instead of being like, come on, <laughs> you know, forcing it into it and not, it doesn't really want to do it. Does that make Same sense? Thing with weight loss. Yeah. A lot of yeah, people, absolutely. they want to dive into weight loss. They don't actually realize that they have to prepare their body to release that weight because a body that's stressed out or unhealthy or hormonally off is not going to release weight. It's just absolutely. not the priority. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of times we get so stressed out about losing weight, right? <laughs> we we uh, we hold ourselves to a really high mm -hmm. standard, and we're like very rigid and regimented. Like, okay, I'm gonna eat this, I'm gonna work out, and I'm gonna do this, 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 and it becomes actually the the process of trying to lose weight is actually stressing us out more. So we, it's um can be worse <laughs> almost. You can gain weight or or not budge, you know, just because of that added stress totally. on your system. Yeah. So let's walk through maybe some practical like takeaways. I know we did that one kind of exercise and activity. Like what do people, I guess, typically come to see you for? And then maybe we can give like one or two kind of, you know, things for people that they can start now, even at home. Yeah. Um, you know, I know this breathing one is kind of cool. You have to use both, both your hands. So you can't really do it while you're driving. But, you know, I, I tell people, like I tell my clients sometimes like just just practice breathing while you're driving, which is a great place to practice it because it's where most of us get annoyed and yes. impatient, or at least I do. <laughs> so yes. um, yeah, so what would someone normally come to see you for? And then I guess give us a couple of like pointers of some, you know, homework that we can do at home in particular for people who are dealing with a chronic sort of illness. Yeah, that that is where my heart is actually. <laughs> it's for the chronic, the chronic severe folk um, because- I was there and I know absolutely the pain and frustration and hopelessness that's there. So the people that come to see me are, it could be an autoimmune disorder, uh, Lyme disease, MS, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, migraines, back pain, digestive issues, like a lot of, a lot of different, there's, there's not one, one person, I guess that walks in my door. I, I, I have a lot of kids. I have, um, I have some, people with um, Alzheimer's or dementia. I have, um, so I have a big heart for head injuries also, concussions and traumatic brain injuries. So I have several of those. Oh. And uh, I have uh, an online program that I do just to help anyone who wants to raise their baseline and teach them some tools to empower them to be able to start to heal. So there's, um, there's really no diagnosis that's like exempt, you know, I try and help whoever I can, whoever comes through my door. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea though, for people listening to understand these, what these, you know, quote unquote, simple things can actually help you with, even if they're just trying it on their own at home. And I know, you know, for example, like Lyme's disease and all the co-infections, like that's just so rampant. Um, a lot of people have it, don't even know they have it. Um, yeah. and it's the underlying cause of they're suspecting of a lot of, um, you know, misdiagnoses and mystery diagnoses. Um, so, okay. So somebody walks in and they've got, let's say a chronic 
disease or infection? And how do you work with their brain and their nervous system to actually bring them into better health or alignment? Yeah, that's just one arm of what I do. And that that is a lot of times what I'll do to give them stuff to do at home, to give them some home program work to do, because you're right. Like you gotta, you gotta have the tool in the moment when you get annoyed. I do a lot of alternate nostril breathing when I'm in the car. Um, if you're comfortable driving with one hand, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I usually do. But um, the, the neuro drills, the, the way to exercise and train your brain and bring it back into balance, you, it can be like helping with simulating a nerve or well, our, our brain gets information from three different sources, our visual system, which is our eyes, our vestibular system, which is our inner ear, and our proprioceptive system. So all those, the way that we feel the chair on our back or the, the car underneath us, that's giving our brain information about where we are. So even as something as simple as circling your ankle or your wrist can upload new information to your brain. So when we, when we do a circle in a joint, when we circle a joint, we're activating all those different receptors along those joint surfaces and on the bone, for example, like the ankle and the wrist have a lot of bones in them. You know, I'm sitting here doing this right now, right? I, well, did you measure first? (laughs) (laughs) We got to measure. (laughs) Well, you, you kind of know where you were before because you measured you know, not too long ago, but I would say, yeah, measure, do some sort of range of motion, see, see what happens when you just circle your ankle or circle your wrist and then remeasure and see how that benefits you, or maybe it doesn't. But if you can find a few of those that really give you an extreme range of motion, I, I, um, my visual system always loves to be reminded that it can work. (laughs) I got glasses when I was three. So I, uh, I love doing a quick visual drill and that my body loves that. I also have like a history of ankle sprains. So doing the ankle circles, my body loves that. So it's just kind of like a, a fun investigative journey to be able to find some different tools that help you perform at your best, to help you become centered, to help you connect in with your body. It's interesting because I was thinking, I, I go to a chiropractor, but um, he does NSA, which is network spinal analysis. Um, I kind of equate it to like energetic chiropractic. He's definitely doing adjustments, but they're very, very, very gentle. They're almost micro adjustments, but it's interesting because every time I'm on the table, I get this urge to like roll my ankles and to just like do this thing. And it's like, I, I, it's, I never do it any other time, but it's almost like I'm adjusting to the adjustment. It's, it's interesting. I just thought about that when you said that. Yeah. Well, it's so cool because when we can refresh the map that our brain has of our proprioceptive system and you know we're on our feet a lot of the day so if we can upload new better quality information to our brain that's going to help us to you know get where we're going it's going to support us in a lot of different ways if our brain knows where our feet are and especially when we're getting adjustments that's all changing that's all shifting so when you're circling your ankles you're uploading a new map of like, okay, this is where my feet are now. This is where, this is where they are now. And now, <laughs> so it's, it's really cool that you're intuitively going there and supporting your whole nervous system with that. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm always interested in like resiliency and I know that, so the definition of, of health we know now, and it's even on the WHO website, or at least it used to be, is it's not 
you know, never getting sick, right? Health is actually the ability to, you know, get sick and bounce back, right? It's the ability to, um, you know, come out of alignment and go back into realignment. So it's really all about resilience. And I'm curious, having gone through this intense journey for such a long period of time and, you know, doing all the mindset stuff, but all, you know, the nervous system stuff and all the physical stuff, how do you feel now about your level of resilience when it comes to stress? Because I know people are listening and they might be thinking like, oh, this is never going to end or I might not get better or, and, and it's, it's, it, there's a, you know, you've been there. It's, it kind of feels like yeah. this thing you're never going to come out of. And then sometimes we come out of it and it's almost like we want to forget. We want to forget the experience and just kind of move on. But there's so much lessons there. There's so much juice there. Like, I wonder if you can share a little bit about what you got from this. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it's been years of, there's like different stages of grief. You know, there's different stages of coming out of chronic illness, I think. And I actually was just talking to a, a newer client of mine who's starting to see some big changes and she's bedridden. She has um, um, CRPS, cervical or complex regional pain syndrome, which is awful, like so painful. But um, she's starting to have some good days. And then the bad days, she is feeling like more despair and more, uh, I'm not sure if I can live like this, those kinds of feelings. And I think when we start to get better and we have that taste of progress, it can almost feel worse to go backwards. And when I say mm. go backwards, it doesn't, it doesn't really mean that because healing, it's so hard to remember, but healing never happens in a straight line. There's always, you know, a few steps forward, a couple steps back, a little bit progress, a little bit back. And that yo-yo a little <laughs> that that roller coaster is so hard emotionally especially when you've been in there for a long time and one thing that helped me i was in a pretty depressed place at one point and i was seeing a practitioner and she said you know she had also healed from lyme disease and then had been really sick and she said something that helped me was i'm on a healing journey and nothing's going to stop me so like having something sort of like a mantra that you can come back to that um, helps to really categorize. It's not, it's not today. It's not going to be done today. It's going to be um, this whole journey of healing this. We're, we're accepting of this two steps forward, one step back process. And it's going to be, there are going to be some good days and there are going to be some bad days. So I think having compassion for the journey and that whole picture of healing is, is helpful. Do you find that coming through it now, you have the same outlook on life when it comes to, I don't know, training for, you said, you know, you said you were on American Ninja Warrior, right? So is that, is that same level of like, okay, this is a journey and I've got to go one step at a time. And it's, you know, it's almost like the athlete in you, right? Is that mindset, right? Of like step-by-step, step. but is, is that still with you having gone through all of this? So the, the way that the resiliency I think comes for me is how I view the journey and how I view symptoms and the, um, the way that, you know, if something comes up, if something is, uh, is hurting me or something, it's more like, okay, you're giving me information let me, let me, let's go into that a little bit. Like, what do you need? How can I resource you? And I hurt my neck earlier this week and it had been kind of, uh, 
giving me some signals before, a couple of weeks before. And I, the chiropractor that I go to had moved away and I hadn't found another one. So, um, <laughs> I had tried to like work out earlier this week and my neck was like, no, actually <laughs> that's not the kind of nourishment we needed. And it, it told me it, it definitely, uh, gave me some signals of pain and stiffness. And so I think that part of my resiliency is being able to take that and be like, okay, this is this pain, although it might feel familiar, it's not going to last forever. And I know now that my brain is telling me like, hey, you could deal with this in a different way um, and resource myself in, in, a, in a more helpful manner than just pushing through, which is what I did for a lot of years with with athletics and what I did when I was first healing. Like if I had a good day, I would go run hills or something. I would get so excited that I was feeling better that I would overdo it constantly. And um, I would then go backwards because I had, um, I, I call it bank account body, where you have only so much, so much balance in your bank account and you can, you can't over withdraw all the time. You know, you, you have to be aware of what's in there and you can't just withdraw. You also have to make deposits. So I think that idea has a big, big influence on how I see myself as resilient and kind of can hold the whole story of healing of that up and down. Yeah. I love that. The bank account body. That's so, so, so good. And such a great takeaway is we have to be able to make enough deposits to withstand the withdrawals. Right. And I think the way you've developed sort of a compassion towards your body and a listening, like, it's like, okay, this hurts. Like, what do you need right now? What could I do for you? which is so different than I, I find typical people, especially if they've had, let's say a chronic injury or like, you know, something that comes up, especially if you're hard on yourself, it's like, oh, my stupid neck, like my neck hurts again, like stupid, yes. you know, my stupid knee. And it's like, well, what if your knee is just giving you information, right? So I yeah. love that you shared that, that, that compassion, I think for people listening, you know, if you are suffering from um, any kind of illness or injury, but especially if it's chronic, is that's such a huge takeaway is to be more compassionate to your body, to actually look at pain as information and data. And like you said, a message from your brain or a message from your nervous system. And what it needs is, you know, our patience and our compassion and our uh, resourcefulness, not, you know, criticism and, and you know, impatience. So thank you for that. That was perfectly said. Um, Allison, tell the audience where they can find out more about you and um, what you're offering and what you're putting out there. So in case anyone wants to work with you, they know where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, a free Facebook group where I do like free support and trainings. And then I also have a, a full training, a five-day training coming up. And those you can get connected with both of those on my website, which is um, home dot inner dash restoration.com. And that Great. can direct you to all those places. Yeah, fantastic. And we're going to definitely put those links in the show notes. So you guys that are listening can find those. Allison, thank you for being on the show and sharing your story. And I, I know for me personally, you're very, very inspiring. I'm sure people listening have been very inspired. And now I have some extra tools in my toolbox that I'm going to use. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Blue Hive HealthCast. 
Did you get an insight from this episode or learn something new? Consider sharing it with a friend. If you love the show, we'd appreciate it if you subscribed via iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and give us a rate and review. Visit us at bluehivehealth.com for more information on our programs and services.